0: Here we are live on air again mm. in beautiful Bendigo. Beautiful sunny Bendigo today. Good morning, Samuel. How are you this morning?
1: Good morning, uh, and we are a bunch of reasonable people.
0: That's <laughs> what. <laughs> that's you know, right.
1: it's it's true that it's really sunny and nice and warm, and and uh, you know we can't complain. It's good. It's good.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful, absolutely beautiful day. Now, for those that are listening and who want to actually watch what we are doing live, you can go to Samuel Chisiketi's Facebook page, and you will see his smiling face. (laughs) And uh, sometimes he does pan the room so that we all get a bit of a look in. But uh, (laughs) um, but if you do want to be part of the conversation and uh, maybe throw some questions in while we're chatting, that's a good opportunity to do that. Otherwise, Samuel does like to interact with our online listeners while. uh, music is being played um, when we have a little bit of a break. So, today we are continuing our discussion on the gifts of the Spirit. We are indeed. Yes, and we were talking about the gifts of revelation, Yes. wisdom, knowledge and discernment of of spirits, and uh, (coughs) you tried to get the whole lot done last week, but it didn't quite happen, so we're (laughs) we're splashing into the next week. So, um, do you want to just give a very small... Short, um, pricey of where we're up to, and then we'll lead into where you finished off last week.
1: Yes, we uh, actually in answering the question on the gifts of the spirit, we uh, we started to uh, look at uh, the categorization of the gifts of the spirit as um, as we we did. So we had um, about a, at least for the purpose of the study or the answering the question, uh, we had at least three uh, subdivisions. So you had the gifts of uh, Revelation. Uh, then you had we we spoke about the gifts of power. Uh, that so gifts of revelations were the knowledge, word of uh, wisdom, and discerning of spirits, and gifts of uh, power. We talked about faith, uh, you know, healing and uh, working of miracles. And then the uh, vocal gifts or gifts of speaking, which is tongue interpretation and prophecy. Mm-hmm. So those were the, th- the categorizations so that uh, people can sort of see where we are. And we were still looking at the gifts of revelation. And what we said about the gifts of, gift of revelation was that it is these gifts where God opens the curtain and give you access to the knowledge that he has. So that we can see things from his perspective, okay? We can see things that he sees. Yeah. And that's why it's called revelation. It's God uncovers something that was already there. Uh, It's a piece of information that was there. And if it's a word of knowledge, it is a piece of information into something that has already happened or is happening. And, and it's, it's got all sorts of different purposes. The purpose could be, you know, to draw people to God. It could be for the purpose of repentance. It could be for the purpose of warning. Uh, for, for example, warning to safety. Uh, there is all, there all sorts of different reasons we, we did give, uh, why, uh, you know, people would have, uh, that particular, Uh, It's sometimes just to reveal the sin that is happening. We gave a bunch of examples. David, for example, had that interaction with uh, with Nathan, uh, Mm. you know, on the on the question of him having taken Uriah's wife and then sent Uriah to die. And so God tells God. David knows the fullness of the story, and 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 God tells. only, Only David and God knew the fullness of the story. Everybody else was at least participant. In this story, knew only half the story. Bathsheba, for example, knew at least she had gone with David and she said she was pregnant. But she did not know why Uriah had died. Mm. Joab knew that Uriah had died because the king had given an order for Uriah to die, but did not know what Uriah had done. And so Uriah did not know why the king had called him to come back. You see that entire full picture, only David knew it. Yes. And guess who else knew it? Mm, God. Because he saw David doing it all. Mm. You see, God within all his all knowledge, actually, that's kind of God's natural knowledge. He sees everything that's happening. He knows what's happening. So he could then say to Nathan, This is what David has done. This is go and tell him he needs to repent. So then Nathan had to go there and tell him. Yes, <laughs> so And come
0: and come up with a good novel way to, to do that so that he yeah, didn't get his
1: interesting head enough, chopped off. <laughs> in telling David, that Nathan had to use wisdom yes. because wisdom is knowing what to say, how to say it, when to say it, to whom to say it, why to say it and where to say it. Yeah. So Nathan had to balance, I am going to the king. Who am I talking to? This is not just anyone. This is a, a, a person who's been so willing in covering his first sin, willing to commit murder to cover that sin. Mm. So I would risk to be the second, because I mean, now that I know, and he doesn't want anybody else to know, I'll be the next one on the chopping block. Yeah, exactly. So you can see that if Nathan didn't have the gift of wisdom, he would have walked right into it. There are many people who, you look at their suffering and they are, you know, they're thinking that well, you know, did God made me suffer. No, God didn't. Just your wisdom was lacking. Now, and and if you don't have the wisdom, the gift of, uh, of of word of wisdom to go by, to know what to do, when to do it, how to do it, you know, and so on and so forth, you might end up in exactly into a big mess. I tell you a bit of a story of mine. Many years ago, I was an assistant pastor, and um, and. So my pastor was a senior pastor then had sort of had a fiance and they had started to not walk, you know, correctly in the ways of God. So God told me this. I did not know God spoke to me about what was happening. So I had to go and give this word just to say, look, you know, you need to not go that way because this will cause the church to suffer and split and shut. And so that's the word of knowledge. God opens a curtain for me to know what was going on. So I went in. But guess what happened? I had no wisdom. Mm-hmm. When I got there, he was there. I didn't check whether it was the right turn. I didn't check whether it was the right, uh, right place. I didn't check whether it was the right way to speak to him. You know, there are people just say, uh, I just say, there it, it is. Yeah, go right ahead. <laughs> So here mm-hmm. I am, I get there, and I start to talk to him. I hadn't checked the environment, and as I'm just finishing the talk, guess what, just in the next room, which was a kitchen or so, who came out, who came out was the very fiancé. I was warning him that the way, you know, you've been tempted to head into the direction that she had had the entire conversation. You think she was happy with me? Well, no. Mm-hmm. And I- incidentally enough, she was the... Person had the means funding the ministry, okay? Well, most of the biggest donations and gifts were coming from her. So now the assistant pastor had just said to the pastor, you know, just watch out. Your fiancé might lead you into, you know, a sinful way. And so that, you, you know, you're the leader. Just me a bit more, you know, God says, walk in the fear of God and so on and so forth. And so now I had a f- battle raised against me. Yeah. Well, she wasn't happy with me. On her face, it was right there, obvious. Yeah. And so, and my pastor and her started just turned against me. Things went sour from there. I did suffer in that place, mm. and you know, I got, I got sort of mistreatment of all sorts. Um, you know, incidentally enough, you know, I was warning him about something that was sinful, and the church ended up closing. It was a very sad story. But it, had not, it didn't have to be like, to go like that for me. I actually thought, Lord, why am I suffering? But now, after your years of wisdom, I know that I did not say the right thing at the right time in the right place. No. Because I could have checked and gone, hey, can I talk to you on the side? Can I book an appointment? Can I be able to just win all you two, three, the two of us? You need to have that wisdom to be able to conduct. Mm. And so the, I did say last time, wisdom, human wisdom can be acquired by trial and error. You make mistakes and you learn. Yep. I've learned on that one.
0: <laughs> Failing forward, I think it's called.
1: Yes, <laughs> yep. exactly. All you can learn and see other people make mistakes. I've just told you this story. Mm. And if you're in a situation like that, before you talk to somebody, check yeah. is it the right time? Is it the right way? Is it the right place? You know, is the right person. Sometimes you're not the right person to talk to the person you're going to talk to. You're going to find a messenger, somebody who will be open to hear. If you haven't been in a situation where you tell something to your husband or to your wife, they never listen to you. And then one day somebody says it, they go, wow, this is really great. You're looking at them like I've been telling you this for the last 10 years. <laughs>
0: I think that's every married person's story, can I say?
1: (laughs) So in that sense, being able to find the right person to say, to speak to the person Mm. is the right way to go. You know, I remember a a conversation my wife and I had. You know, she had something to tell me, but she thought, if I tell him, he's not going to listen. She went to God to pray, say, Lord, you will have to tell him this. Uh And I can tell you what it was. Um, So we'd moved to Queensland. And, you know, I wasn't uh, just, just you know, I had been a pastor for years. I was now studying. i just been to a couple of churches, uh, trying to find a, a, a church home. I didn't find one. So I stayed at home for about probably eight eight weeks. I wasn't going to church. Eight weeks I wasn't going to church. And she wanted to go to church. And every time she said, let's go to church. I'm not, nah, nah, I'm not interested. And so one day she went in a prayer. And she like, Lord, <laughs> I can't tell him this, but you have to tell him. And one particular s- Saturday morning, I'm praying, and the Lord says, Don't you reckon it's time you go to church? <laughs> don't <you love> it? <laughs> so I go, I woke up that morning, I said to her, Darling, I think we've got to go to church, but I don't know which church. She was excited. <laughs> She's like, Oh, Lord, let's talk to him. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is, You may not be the right person to deliver the message. Mm. And so there might be ways you need to. Here's another example. I've, I've got these scripturally there are plenty of these Samuel has to go and anoint David yes while Saul is still alive mm. right and so Samuel no if I God has told him gonna to do this and so Samuel's like if I go and the king hears about it he's going to kill me So he says to the Lord what am I going to do? God is like okay I'll add an extra piece of information that'll cover you no problems wisdom mm-hmm. go there to offer a sacrifice. Because you are at the same time a priest and a prophet. You offer a sacrifice. Call Jesse and his family to the procession. And while you're there, I'll show you who you're going to anoint. So if you get asked, no, I came here to offer a sacrifice. Mm. You see? So God goes, no, no. Let me give you another office to complete. And then when you're there, you'll complete then the office for which I sent you. Then Saul won't have any problem. Because he didn't go, Ah, oh, this guy, I had an, a run in with him. He's been upset with me. Now he's going to look for another king to anoint. Mm. And so God gave Samuel the wisdom he didn't have. So if you can't learn it by the mistakes of others, human wisdom, by your own mistakes, which is not being simple. Don't be too simple. Be wise, okay? Learn by other people's mistakes. They make mistakes, learn. Yeah, it's usually better. It is the reason why the wisdom of God is hidden within scriptures. The gift, your gift of wisdom will sharpen, will be sharpened by your Depth of understanding of scriptures. Mm. There are all sorts of people. You know why the Bible is written with all the mistakes that people like David and Samuel and Saul. Not nothing. Even Peter's mistakes. They're not hidden. The Bible says all all this is written for us. Mm. So that we can learn from the mistakes. Right? Yeah. yeah. So learn the mistakes from the biblical characters, characters. Learn the mistakes from the people in your own personal life. But... The last bit of it is when God gives you a piece of wisdom that no one else ever told you. Mm. And that's the gift of wisdom. It's supernatural. God says, now nah, put your foot here. Don't do A, don't do B, don't do C, and then go and do E. So, that's the wisdom of God. Because God doesn't have to look at human beings failing to learn wisdom. <laughs> he, he is full of wisdom. God is even the very wisdom, uh, is you know wisdom uh, personified. So, those are those two uh, that I've done a quick roundup so you know, okay, so where the knowledge, where the wisdom, God give you access to information or give you directional, what should you do? Uh, that's where the At knowledge At that particular time. Yes. All
0: right. Well, we have got a question after, uh, after the break, so we're, uh, we're going to have a listen to Newsboys with Greatness of Our God, and then we'll be back. One of the great songs that's on our playlist for today which is terrific you're listening to 105.1 life fm bendigo's positive choice and this is q a with samuel chisicchetti we're talking about the gifts of revelation and i have a question yes so how do we know that what we have heard is actually
1: from God. <laughs> very good, very good. Um, let's let's start by saying you need the gift of discernment of spirit, <laughs> which is your next gift to going to talk about. But let me open um, <clears throat> something here uh, very quickly. Very quickly, um, you need to know that first of all, the all that there is to know, there is to know, is that. The gifts are from God. Okay. The gifts are from God. Mm-hmm. And this God is not a God we're talking about from the sort of empty in a vacuum. Our God is not a God in a vacuum we're talking about. It's not just a figment of our imagination. This God is introduced to He to us through Christ. And Christ is the Word of God personified. And by Christ coming into the world, he has not only committed to those who he had trained the apostles, because Christ was with them. He trained them to know God. Mm-hmm. You know, eternal life is to know God. John chapter 17, verse 3. He taught them, he said, Father, I have revealed yourself to them. So, so that, you know, this God that we're talking about, who the Holy Spirit, who gives these gifts, was revealed to the apostles. Right? And so Jesus did a hands-on practical training with them. And what is extraordinary and beautiful about it is that the apostles rendered those testimonies. They put it in, they penned it down, and they wrote scriptures for us. Mm. You see what I mean? So we have... Here, direct eyewitness testimony. We have the witness of the people who were trained by Christ, who is, who, are, who is written like the instruction manual. Yes. Okay. Yep. So not only the writing in the gospel, we've got Act of the Apostles, and then we've got all the epistles from you know Paul's writing to you know Peter's writing, and and all the rest. John uh, has written. He's got Jude. He's got James. You know, you've got this plenty of writing and so we have scriptures Mm -hmm. how do i know god has spoken first and foremost for me to be able to identify his voice my knowledge of scripture must be the first thing here's something that has happened you have people who know and read scriptures but have already predetermined and decided they don't want the gift of the spirit So they may know a lot about Scripture, but that angle there is something they've deliberately said that they don't want to go there. Because before you said to me, but there are people who actually know Scripture, but they don't operate in the gifts. In those cases, they've decided, no, we don't want to go there because of some abuses in the past or because, you know, they just simply think these things have ceased. We talked about it at the beginning. Yeah, And then there is the... Sort charismatic Pentecostals who say, Well, I don't want to know all the doctrine stuff, I don't want to know the foundational material, how to do hermeneutic and exegesis, exegetical analysis of scripture. I'm just the Holy Spirit, is just going to speak to me. Well, He does, but how can you judge that the Holy Spirit, spoke, Holy, Spirit, Holy Spirit is spoken to you if you cannot build it on the foundation of scripture? Yeah, so. The Word of Knowledge, Word of Wisdom must be built on the necessary foundation of Scripture. God is not going to say to you something that is going to contradict His Word. Mm. Okay? Yeah. Now, the Word of God can be understood from the, you know, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, word for word. Or by the, for example, you notice... When I have given these examples, I can talk to you about the the story of Samuel I can talk to you about the story of Nathan I give you tons of biblical context to explain to you what I'm explaining the person like yeah yeah within the contextual biblical uh, biblical context that is absolutely correct you see so you can do use scripture directly or you can use the contextual and the more you know about Scripture, the more you've sharpened your sword in the knowledge of Scripture, the more you will be able to identify God's Word. When I was being trained in the ministry, uh, my pastor trained me as a prophet, and he's actually watching. Uh, My pastor is a a prophet, and it's great to see him being on the program and, and commenting from Canada. Now, he used to say, Every prophetic word you give, if you cannot give a biblical justification, a biblical grounding for the prophetic word you've given, then don't give it. Okay. Go seek God, read scripture until you can say, The Lord says to me this. Now, scripture says this here and here and here. And in the life of David, I said, such situation happened, which are in relation to the word God has given to me, there's similarity here. And so God wants you to know this for this purpose. And he used to always say, every prophetic word must be leading to John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Mm. So how do I know God has spoken? First and foremost, scripture. My knowledge of scripture is capital. It's absolutely mm. fundamental. Number two, When you start to operate in the gifts, you you need to be mentored. The apostles got mentored by Jesus. Yes. And the apostles, I don't understand today's Christians say, I'm just going to get out and I'm going to be Archie, Archie, Apostle, or something like that. And I don't need anybody to teach me anything. Apostle Paul speaking to Timothy said, what you have heard from me, teach it to faithful people who who will also teach it to other faithful people. The faithfulness of the Christian message has always been discipleship. Mm. You start somewhere. Somebody who's been before you, gui- you know, you know, guides you and leads you. This is why we have church pastors. Their job is to build the sense for the work of ministry. Mm. So you get mentored, and so that you can. Samuel was mentored by Eli. The young Samuel had not had identified the voice of God, even though he was sleeping in the temple. He heard a voice, Samuel. Samuel. He did not know who was calling. Mm. We're going to talk about it in discernment of spirit in a moment. So. He heard the voice. He didn't know who called. He went to Eli. Did you call me, sir? Eli's like, no, I didn't. Go back to sleep. He goes the second time. By the second time, he goes there. Eli is like, uh, I've been around this bush long enough. <laughs> yes. This boy is being called by God. Yeah. But you see, it's Eli's experience. God didn't say to Eli, I'm about to talk to Samuel. No. So Samuel had to rely on the experience of his mentor to go back and say, God is calling me here. And he goes back to lie down. And Eli said to him, when you hear this time, says, Lord, here I am, your servant, speak to me. I've always wondered, why didn't the Lord say to Eli, tell Samuel, I'm about to talk to him? Because the thing that God wanted to talk to Samuel involved Eli. Exactly. And Eli, in his human self, mm. could have gone, well, I'm not going to tell this kid. because
0: <laughs> <laughs> I might be in trouble.
1: Exactly. Mm. And so here he is. And the Lord, he answers exactly as Eli told him. And then God speaks to him. And when he finishes off, and then Eli is like, I know God has spoken to this boy. Hey, boy, come here. Tell me, what did the Lord tell you? Don't hide it to me. And so Samuel gets to tell Eli exactly what God had said. So you need trusted mentors. Think about it. It's not even as though Eli was actually still walking perfectly in the ways of God. He was about to be disqualified. Yeah. And yet his experience was enough to say, hey, son, God is calling you. Mm. So your mentor needs not to be perfect. need not to be somebody who's way out there, but just the experience of being in the field. I've been in ministry for 20-some 20, 20 years now, twenty, twenty-three, 23, 24 years. When you do something for this many years, you know, I mean, come on. Like even if you've been a journalist or a doctor or something like that for 20 years, you, you must know something about.
0: Yeah, exactly. All
1: right. So then you can go, okay, based on my experience with God and my knowledge of Scripture, here is what I would advise you to do. So it's good to have trusted mentors, Mm. number two. Number three, the more you use your gift, the better you get at it. People have got this uh, bad understanding. It's a gift. Like, okay, give me a gift of a car. You know, even if I did not know how to drive first. But after I've been driving driving it up and up, up and back, of course I get good at it. Right. Yeah. So God gives you a gift. It is literally a gift. And the more you use it, the better you get at it. So the God, you know, through scripture, through, you know, being guided by trusted mentors and through your interaction with God through the gift, you will be not you will not be mistaken when you've heard from him. This takes time. Invest your time in the reading of scriptures and knowing the word. Invest your time in being led, you cannot lead anyone unless you're led, until you've been led before. Don't say those people who, they can't be led, but they want to lead. Well, first of all, it doesn't make any sense. No. You can't be led, why should everybody accept you to lead them? Because I mean, you seem to not need the leading, so everybody, maybe, if they like you, they don't need leading either. Mm. So if you can't be led, don't seek to lead anyone. If you can't receive a word from anyone, don't give a word to no one. Accept that you will have trusted mentors. The Bible used language is like when you give life to Christ, you are like a baby born. Yeah, you're got to be fed on milk. Yeah, and then you need solid food. See, the concepts are there. And so, to answer your question, that's how you identify. But you need this Salmon of Spirit. We're going to head there.
0: We're going to head there. <laughs> yes. So, before we do that, though, let's uh, let's listen to another one of our favorites. Here's King and Country, and one of my absolute love this song, Joy.
2: Lately I've been reeling, watching the nightly news Don't seem to find the rhythm, just wanna sing the blues Feels
3: like a song that never stops Feels like it's never gonna
2: Gotta get that fire, fire back
3: It on the count of three Joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart to stay
0: Well, I hope you've got that joy, joy, joy down in your heart and staying because we're we're fairly joyful here in the studio.
4: We are indeed.
0: Yes, and we're still tackling the question of um, the discerning. Well, we're going into the discerning of spirits, one of the gifts of revelation. Yes. And, uh, yeah, you were... You were really explaining about mentors and making sure that yes. that the things that you are, are listening to line up with the word of god so it 's applying that wisdom so it, it sort of seems to me a little bit that that knowledge and wisdom tend to go hand in hand. As you gain one, you gain more of the other, and, that's exactly and they sort of roll together. That's yeah. exactly
1: right. So, because knowledge is information, and wisdom is what you do with the information. Yes, exactly. So, if you have no information, what are you going to do with what? Yeah. So, you need the knowledge to be able to do something with it. And so, in that sense, as I was uh, because I was answering your question, how do I know mm. that what I'm... Well, before I started to say we're well, just simply just whatever goes in your head, you need to know what Scripture teaches. Mm. This is why I've always Said I, you know, I agree with one of my heroes. I've, I've quoted him so many times. He always says that every Christian is a theologian. The question is, how good, or bad a theologian are you? Every Christian should know, at least from the biblical standpoint, the fundamental doctrinal, you know, you know, uh, you know, foundation of the church the, the, of, of Scripture. And uh, beside that, you need to know how to read properly scripture, how to analyze it properly, how to do the study of scripture properly. You know, these days, it's it's one of the sciences that is actually missing in a church. You know, the regular person who sits in our pews does not actually know how to do hermeneutic with scriptures. You just read what is written there. And very often you can plug whatever context, you know, whatever Western context you want. And that's why, you know, you can get some people inside the churches can take some things from Eastern religions Mm. and then read a text of scripture and then see whether that thing in Eastern religion, you know, can be justified with the piece of scripture that I read.
0: And it's also the way that language changes because over time, the the meaning of words, as we know, change. And uh, (laughs) I heard Jordan Peterson talking about it this morning on one of his Facebook about the word pride. Mm, 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 And so, mm. you know, there there are organizations and there are people that have taken words and changed their meaning. And then if you are fresh and you don't know anything and you read things in the Bible, you might look at it in our cultural context. That's exactly right. It doesn't apply to us in that way. That's
1: exactly right. You know you know, I mean, at least those people who are using those words now, they want it to mean what they want it to mean now. Yes. So that if they wrote it on a pamphlet or whatever, they don't want it to mean what it used to mean. No. Now, what if people some 10, 20 years later come and they've also changed that word now, and the people who used to be here when that word was written will be defending the meaning of the word that they used to have when they wrote it, mm. right? Yeah. And so even the postmodernist <laughs> is not a sort of a word would just mean whatever the listeners think it should mean. No, well, no. Words have got meanings, and the meanings are fixed based on the one who communicated it at the time.
0: Yeah, we always need to know the intent of the person who's written it. That's
1: exactly right. So if you read your Bible, you've got to go back there within the context and the culture within which it was written Mm. and ask yourself a question, what did Paul mean here? How did Paul's listeners understand what he was saying? Exactly. And so in that sense, studying Scripture, I'm not just simply saying saying cursing. Reading of your scripture. No, oh. if you don't know how to basically properly study scripture, ask your pastor. You know, ask your church. Leader, let them do classes on how to properly read scriptures. It's important. Mm. We do it at our church all the time. People at our church have probably had enough of me saying I have to teach you how to properly read scripture. <laughs> and so, and so that's that's th- those are the first. Pra- I didn't want to launch anything else. But we we'll get to discernment of spirit in a moment, and yep. uh, which is where I'm going to start. Mm. So. You know. Now let's let's move to the third gift of of, of revelation, which is discernment of spirit. This particular gift has become, uh, you know, as as I was saying to the, 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 those watching us online, that I, I, my, my my the entire enterprise in answering this question is to demystify, to remove the mystery around the gifts, mm-hmm. so that they will be intelligible and understandable. Okay. Yeah. But let's start, for example, discernment of spirit. To discern is to see the difference. Yes. <laughs> to discern is to see the difference between things.
4: Mm.
1: Okay? Now, what are we discerning here? It is discerning spirits. Spirits. Okay? Spirits, the word, you know, you know uh, uh, pneuma, uh, as you will, uh, in, uh, um, uh, in, in that sense, uh, which is the word breaths, Pneuma, or, you know, spirit pneumatic. Uh, the study of the Holy Ghost is called pneumatology. Uh, the study of pneumas. Uh, it is the study of the immaterial reality, which has all sorts of, you know, variety of beings that exist in that space. Mm. Now, let me pause here to put a, a, a bit of something that's quite interesting. I was, I was listening to, I think, um, you and you know, I read that book by uh, Dr. Craig, uh, what is, oh, his name is gone, the, the, the uh, head of Biola University. Uh, he wrote, um, you know, um, Courageous Prayer, or, uh, you know, it's... Oh,
0: ha- Hagen?
1: No, no, no. Hazen. Oh. Hazen.
0: <laughs> Sorry, yeah. you,
1: You've got a very good memory there. Mm. Um, you know, he said something quite interesting uh, in, in, in in his book. The first thing is the materialistic thinking is not just in the world where the people think there are no, there is only the flesh. Like, you know, like Carol, Carol Sagan used to say, you know, the universe is all there is, was, and will ever be. Like, there is no spirits, there are no angels, there's, there's no immateriality. Everything is material.
4: Mm.
1: Now, that's what the world, at least the humanists and secularists believe. But interesting enough, even those inside the church has fallen into that particular... Like, when you start to talk about spirits, angels, and demons, most people in the church, they're a bit bewildered. Bewildered! Oh, like it's a it's a topic. Angelology is no longer sort of a topic that is, you know, explored in the Bible. It's, you know, the the understanding of angel has become like, you know, folklore's tale in the culture, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so the church, while still believing in what the Bible is written, is very selective Think about the ministry of Jesus. The ministry of Jesus is actually marked by dealing with spirits and demons and casting them out. And right now, inside churches, well, if there was just any scene of a demon being cast out, people freak out, you know? Why? Because it has now been lost, at least in the culture of the church, that first of all, the Bible tells God is spirit. His angels are spirit. Those who rebelled from heaven, Satan and his angels are spirit. All right. Yeah. Human is a fu- the human being is fundamentally spirit. Mm. All right. So in man, first of all, it's the spirit, the ruha, in in Hebrew, the ruha, or in in Greek, the pneuma of God. So man is a spirit. The Bible says in First Thessalonians chapter five verse twenty three, may the God uh, of peace sanctify you whole spirit, soul, and body. Right. So it recognizes that man is spirit god is spirit that's why god is not material like we when we're in the image image of god it doesn't mean that god is some sort of material being with you know five fingers and you know flesh and bone no Mm. god is not flesh and bone god is spirit Mm. and we are in his image because we are spirit and we carry what is called the characteristic of a personhood now guess what the angels are persons too Mm -hmm. They have personality, they have names, they speak, they talk, they have attribution, they're intelligent. The church got to teach angelology. you got to know that there is a world of concrete spiritual things Mm -hmm. or beings and the world of concrete material things. Now, human beings, we are the only one who actually have the interaction between the concrete spiritual things, because we are spirits, and we live in a concrete material world. Mm. Now, so once you let's set that as a foundation, like the angels are concrete, they are actually real. That's what I mean. Yes, like, but
0: they don't live in the physical world. That was that was a little light bulb moment. That's yes, exactly that's, what.
1: You saw that on my face. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I hadn't just, thought of that before. <laughs> it's not just things that are physical, that are concrete, mm. invisible, immaterial things and, and are concrete as well. You know, we've, we've seen, you read the Bible and see all sorts of, you know, interaction of the angels with people in the world. Yeah. Think of the story of Lot, for example. The angels went to Lot's house and they appeared to be humans, but they were angels because mm. they can appear. Mm. Right? They can appear. And so, and and... and they interacted with the people they they interact with the city the angel appeared to, angel of the lord appeared to to Joshua the angel, the angel appeared to Gideon the angel appeared to Joseph to Mary you know, to Mary mm. you know the angel appeared to Zechariah in the temple like when you look at the entire history biblically your biblical history you can see the uh, your, uh, the, the, the appearing of these uh, spiritual concrete beings now the of spirit I'll give the definition so we can go there. Because uh, I said to you, when Paul is talking about these things, he didn't seem to give them definitions because the, these people knew what he was talking about. Yeah, he assumed I knew, yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. It is a supernatural capacity that God gives you. In other words, God opens the curtain to show you behind the curtain so you can see what he sees to determine the spirit in operation. If there's a spirit in operation in an area, and God opens your understanding to see whether that spirit is. Of God, divine, human spirit, or it is of the devil. Mm. That's how we discern it. Discernment is being able to make the difference. This is God, this is human, this is the devil. And discernment of spirit is a tremendously important gift for us to have. Now, as I'm going to repeat myself over and over, these gifts are not just simply for when you get together in the church, and that's where now they are for everyday life. You can actually discern between God's activity, demonic activity, or human spirit in every other day life, every other activity. And so that's what the discernment of spirit is all about. Now, let me make this point. I was saying... That your growth in the discernment of spirit must and will be a consequence of your maturity in understanding of scriptures. That's the first place. Hmm. How do you know God's characteristics By reading scriptures I can give you God's attributes and characteristics By the doctrine of God Which you read the systematic summary of scripture Or how do you know about the devil And his works by scripture You're not going to just simply be making it up in your head how do you know human anthropology? You know, you know. How do you understand human? Uh, it's by the reading of scripture. You know, there is. You know, you can study. You know, set knowledge or demonology. You can start. You know, study. You know, theology proper, the study of God, or you can study anthropology, which is anthropos. I'm saying that you need to know your scripture very well and know doctrine really well, it's because the more you mature in scripture, the more you'll be able to discern.
4: Yeah, but.
1: In a discernment of spirit, God opens the curtain and he shows you what is the spirit that is operating at the time. Okay, Now, uh, if we have a few more minutes, depending on where we're at, I can sort of give you a few examples to see how the discernment of spirit works. Let's start with an example in the New Testament about discerning a human spirit, but a good spirit. Good spirit. who knows the story about the meeting between uh, nathaniel and and jesus john chapter one verse 43 because we can see the gift of discernment operating in jesus right there now you know uh, andrew and peter had met jesus and andrew had, had went and told nathaniel that we've met the one moses had prophesied about so he's saying we met the messiah yeah and nathaniel's like yeah right where's he from <laughs> from Nazareth? Can anything good come out of it? So the guy is skeptical, yeah. okay? You know, you can see there are those people who just seem, they seem to be negative about everything, right? Mm. Outwardly, it looks like a discouragement, right? Nothing good can come out of there. But you know what? I'm going to go and check it out anyway. Let's come. So as he's coming toward Jesus, Jesus see him and he goes, he's a true Israelite in whom there is no guile found. Mm-hmm. He's basically saying this man has got a pure spirit. This, this guy is a good... He's got a good heart. Yeah. Okay? His spirit is very nicely predisposed. And so is like, Hey, hang on a minute. Well, how, how do you know anything about me? And so... it's, it's Nathaniel is an interesting <laughs> character. And so Jesus said, Well, I saw you when you were sitting in the fig tree. And that shocks Nathaniel. Why? Because the configuration of the fig tree then were basically bushy fig trees... And he would have gone in there. It's it's really shaded, and somebody could be in there, and you will not see them. Mm. So when he went in there, he wasn't expecting anybody would be seeing him. So Jesus, by word of knowledge, told him, "Well, I'd seen you when you were in there, right? I'd seen you when you were in there, and that's because, well, now I believe." He believed because he received the word of knowledge. But Jesus was capable of discerning that this man had a good predisposed spirit. Jesus discerned the, the intention and the mind of the Pharisees all the time. Mm. They come smiling and ask him a question that seemed innocent. And Jesus, wow. said, Jesus, knowing what was in the heart, discernment of spirit. If you can't discern the spirit of the person who's talking to you, he can have come to deceive you, to trap you, you know, and having the capacity by the spirit of God to be able to go, nah, and and discernment spirit is fantastic. The more you practice it, you can go, yeah, everything looks right, but no, nah, I'm not sure. Right. Mm. Now, I'm not saying go with your gut feelings, even no. though sometimes your gut feeling might line up with discernment spirit. You need to be able, I'm saying you develop what I call scriptural led intuition, understanding by going... Like once, I, I tell you a story, I went to see a, a pastor once who had invited me in his office and went and sat there and he was like, yeah, good brother, let's do this. And, and as I was just step, stepping out of his office, I'm like, uh, nah, nah. I just, there was, I couldn't really believe the sincerity of his heart. It's like it wasn't really sincere, but I, I had nothing else to go by. And so... I, I had no reason to doubt what he was saying. Because I always go, well, I hear somebody, you believe what they say? Mm. I had no reason to doubt. And um, so he sent me to go and seek the Lord. the Lord. Why am I? And the Lord said, don't trust anything he says. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. So God opens the curtain and he shows me what it, because God knows the heart. Yeah, God knows the heart. So he mm. can say, nah, that person's heart, nah, not good. Right. So that's discerning what is not good of God, or the human human spirit. Mm. Now you can have the discernment uh, of what is divine and what is not. I gave the example of Samuel, for example. Mm. He had a voice calling him, but he did not know whether it was God. And so he needed to discern whether God was calling him or it was Eli who was calling him. Thank God he was guided by Eli to discern in that particular moment. So discerning what is divine and what is human. Here's another example: the, the discerning what is not divine, but what is demonic. Peter, after Jesus had said, "I'm going to go to the cross. Time has come. I'm going to do the. Uh, that's what I'm going to do." Peter steps up and said to Jesus, "Well, we're not going to let you go and do that. It sounded nice. It sounded like you know he's a good friend who is concerned about his friend having to go. You're going to leave, leave us alone. It was not you know sort of. It was not demonstrably with bad intention." Mm. Jesus looked at him and says, behind me who? Satan. Satan. Mm -hmm. And Jesus then conflates two things. Your thoughts are not of God, but of man. In other words, God used the good concern of Peter uh, no Satan. Satan used the good intention of Peter to try and stop Jesus from going to the cross. Think about if Jesus hadn't gone to the cross, what would have happened to our salvation?
0: Yes, exactly.
1: So what I'm saying is you will find out that whatever the devil is going to his activities is to, you know, separate people from doing God's purposes and God's will in their lives which is the pursuit of the kingdom of God it may look like nice it may look like it has good intention I've always said good intention is not enough no so so you can see there the human the divine and the demonic and I'll give probably one more example before we wrap uh, the, the program up alright well
0: before that we're going to listen to Matt Ma and God you're my deliverer
2: words I had nowhere to go I was hanging by threads of dust and bone Every angel I knew was singing Some come home But the melody was hard to sing along Oh God, you're my deliverer Everything I did And there's no way I can make a stand and win When you realize the verdict is already in And you let go of the brokenness within Well, there's only one who could ever stand and win Oh God, you might deliver.
0: You're listening to one. Oh, <laughs> he's still singing. <laughs> there you go. Missed the last two seconds. You're listening to one hundred five point one Life FM. Benny goes positive choice, and we're about to just sort of wrap up. The, uh, the final part of our first section on the gifts of the Spirit, yes. the gifts of Revelation, and where we've been talking about discerning the spirits and how God can open that window, open that curtain, yes. and and show us whether or not it's uh, it's the Spirit of God speaking, or if it's um, the human spirit, or yes. if it's uh, actually something demonic that is uh, coming to undermine what's yeah.
1: going on. Yeah. And I was going to, as, as I'm starting here, to give uh, you know, Apostle John writes in First John chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Dear friends, I'm reading from the NIV. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, mm. but test the spirit to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. In other words, a prophet can show up and the activities of, you know, giving the word from God and, and saying the the source of this activity here is from God. But it actually is not. So, it is the duty of the believers to discern. It is the duty of the believer to discern. The Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, glorifies Christ. You know, the Spirit of God, when He's in operation, He glorifies Christ. That's what He does. He doesn't pull, you know, the curtain to glorify some human being, or you know, you know, when when you're dealing with the devil, the devil's, you know, uh, uh, goal however nice and good it looks and painted beautifully it will draw you away from christ any any uh any any spirit that comes and say well you know jesus is nice he's nice he's good he's a nice teacher but you don't have to listen to only him you know you know he's not the lord of all you know a king of king lord of lords you know there are other teachers do you know and, and, and you know there are multiplicity of gods you know Anyone start to say that you know that is not the spirit of God, mm. okay? Yeah. For example, the sort of the pluralistic uh, spirit that is basically entered our church. I was in—I went to visit a church once, and, and I had this pastor saying, "Well, look, you know, there are many ways to God." I'm like, "Well, that is in contradiction with Jesus right there." I don't care you saying that in the pulpit. Yeah, Jesus said, John chapter fourteen, verse six: "I am the way, the truth, and the life." And no one goes to the Father but through me. He didn't say there were all the ways to God. There's one way to God, and that's Jesus. And so once somebody says something, like I'm like, "What spirit is animating here?" Mm. You see, but if I don't know what Scripture teaches, I'm more like to go, "Well, that was not, especially if the person was charismatic, gave nice examples, and preached like a storm." And and then suddenly I may go, "Well, you know, my pastor says that there are other ways to God. Do you know?" I'm like, yeah, well, you pastor may be nice and charismatic, but his word doesn't weigh in my heart more than the words of Jesus. Yeah. And so you've got to be able to discern what spirit is. And sometimes it's even when something seems nice and good, but it is taking you away from the calling of God. Mm-hmm. You know, Apostle Paul used to say things that used to be of worth to me became worthless because of Christ. So it received this calling of God and is headed in that calling. And even if something nice came about, and I came, can you come This looks good. And so you need to be very, very careful. Discerning the spirit is very, very important in the life of the believers. I was gonna give one more example and then I'm gonna sort of go to close here. Uh, you would remember there is a story of Paul and Silas in Philippi, they were preaching the gospel. And there was a slave girl there who used to be used by the people of the, 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 the spirit of divination. Uh, and they used to use her there for money making. Mm. And this, this girl followed them for a number of days saying, these men are born servants of God. What she was saying seemed to be true. In fact, it was true. But why was she saying it? Mm. Because if they had embraced her, they would have embraced their credibility in turn for her to continue to do a divination Well, mm-hmm. you see? So in that sense, when she'd been following Paul and Silas for a while, Paul had had enough of it to turn around and rebuke the spirit that was animating her. And now she got delivered and the people who had been pro- benefiting, profiting from her, guess what? They were not too happy right? So even when something Like some somebody would have said Well maybe I discern that it is Something that is from God Just because they seem to say Something that is nice and biblical Not necessarily This is why your intimacy with God Not in reading of scriptures But also your ability to be in prayer And be intimate with God And the pursuit of God Will give you the sort of spirit It sharpens your spiritual senses to be able to identify... Because the Bible says that... The devil presents himself as an angel of light... Yes, that's right... So we need to discern... We need to discern... Extremely, extremely important... And so I wanted to sort of say that... About the gift of discernment of spirit... But let me you know, um, run back really quickly... To say, well, how do we know... That we've got this gift... You know, How does the gift then... It shows up um, in our lives... You know... When you look into scriptures... You know, you will see the word of the Lord came to such prophet. The Lord of the Lord. How did the word of the Lord come? The Bible doesn't tell us, really. Only a few times you get, uh, you get, um, you know, the prophet saw a vision and so on and so forth. So want, let me just lay that really quick. You know, first of all, visions. Uh, visions means, you know, seeing a picture while awake, while in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. You know, why? I, I give you, when God speaks or anything else that we deal with that is going to deal with language is actually visual. When I say cat, you don't see letters. You see the animal, right? Yes. Because we are visual. Abacok says, I'll wait on the tower to see what the Lord says to me. Because what he says, turn into vision. So you get uh, pictures. I've just opened something quite significant here, but we're going to sort of I have to come back to it next week. So it is, you know, visions, dreams, you know, and, and hearing sometimes there are only few people who've heard audible voice of God, but mm. hearing the voice of God in your heart, or through Scripture. So we'll come back to that as a, ses- a session. All right, that's a promise, yes. is it? Next Sunday we will we'll start.
0: We will we'll start with that. Solid okay. promise. That's terrific. All right. Well, thank you to all our listeners for listening in. As I said, uh, if you want to uh, hear it again, you can go onto Samuel's Facebook. It will be uh, it will be there, and our other previous programs as well. So we hope you have a blessed day. And uh, we will speak to you all again next Sunday.